I wanted to see the rest of the story. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to be here, even under uh, different circumstances. Uh, generally, in the middle of summer, uh, I'm not out in churches, and uh, this is my well, third one, and I've got two more, and I've been asked for another one. So uh, it's different. Uh, I guess part of it is they're catching up for when COVID first hit, uh, all the services were canceled, and uh, it was unique doing one online uh, in Verdon, uh, sitting in my house, and I could then watch it on Sunday, <laughs> see how well I did. I usually don't get to do that. So uh, anyways... I wasn't quite sure how I was going to start, but I met Danny on Thursday, and he was coaching a team that uh, was against my granddaughter. And uh, I was going to make some comments and whatever, but Kathy sort of summed it all up when she made the comment about the greening boys. So we'll just leave it at that. Good to see you, Danny. <laughs> and... Uh, it's really hard to know sometimes what to, uh, what to share when you're sort of a guest speaker. And um, I, some, I mean, there's, it's not like we're in exhaust, you know, there's nothing in here. There, there's lots in here. It's, it's, uh, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to go through a day with Jesus. Uh, a 24, maybe 36-hour period of time, and looking at this whole idea of faith. Uh, I came across this when, uh, as I was reading the Gospels, especially in Matthew, and uh, each Gospel has a little, maybe a little different additions to different stories, but we're going to use Matthew this morning as, as this as we work through this, I'm calling it remarkable faith. Faith that makes Jesus marvel. And uh, I, I noticed this as I was reading, and that have you ever thought that your faith can make Jesus marvel? Stand up and take notice. Your faith can do that. We don't often think of Jesus marveling at someone's faith. I mean, we marvel at Jesus. We marvel at all the miracles that he can do and what he can accomplish in our lives as we submit to him. But have you ever thought that Jesus marvels when our faith is... Uh, impacts other people. And so this morning, let's, we're going we're gonna to sort of work backwards through the day. I want to start with a, at the end of chapter 9, uh, verse 27. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. One of the things that I also noticed as you read through scripture, how many times does Jesus say, oh, you of little faith? And the majority of those times, if not all of those times, he was talking to his disciples. Not, not the ones that were out and about, you know, of fringe disciples, his, his 12. 
And that got me thinking, well, if the disciples are always looked upon as people of little faith, is there any faith at all in, in the world? Well, we're going to find out this morning that there is. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 27. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed him along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. And he touched their eyes and he said, Because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. Because of your faith, it will happen. We don't know much about these individuals. We don't know their names. We don't know uh, hardly anything. But we do know they were blind and they were in need. They had been following Jesus. Uh, Jesus is just leaving Capernaum. This is all happening in around the town of Capernaum. And uh, Jesus had come in and he's passed through and he's on his way out. It's been a full day. Jesus has decided to move into a house, probably to recline for the evening. And these blind men burst into the house to ask Jesus to heal them. Now that's bold. <laughs> that's bold. If you had a guest at your house and somebody heard of it and they just burst in because without asking, uh, it doesn't indicate that they asked, they just were so bold. See, Jesus had gone through Capernaum. He, he had healed a paralytic. He had raised a dead girl. He had healed a woman of an issue that had been no doctors could heal. And these blind men, it says, they had followed Jesus. That means they couldn't see any of this, but they could hear it. And I know a few blind people, and I know that they say that their, their senses are, are extra sensitive when it comes to uh, hearing, because they can't see. They now have to depend on some other senses. And so I imagine these blind people were, maybe the first time it happened, oh, that's just a story. But then as they listen, Jesus' name keeps coming up. And you mean he, he did that? Wow, uh, yeah, I, I sort of met that person. Then he, he's healed? She, she's alive? I, I, can just, I can just picture what's going on in these blind people's minds. And if he can do that, then he should be able to do this for us. So let's go. And so, bang, the door opens and Jesus says, do you believe? Do you have faith that I can heal you? And what's their response? Yes, Lord, we do. 
Now, somehow, I think in that response, there is a lot of excitement waiting for it to happen, but I think there is a lot of nervousness, too. They've never met him. They've only heard of him. But what he has done, what we have heard him do, we believe he can do it for us. And so, with excitement and nervousness, they say, yes, Lord, we do. We believe. We have faith that you can heal us. And Jesus did. What about us? Here's a story. Two blind people. Yeah, we're not maybe physically blind. But are we spiritually blind? Are we blind to the things that what's going on around us in the lives of other people? Maybe even in our own lives because Satan has put the blinders up and we've refused to pull them away. Do you have believing faith that God can meet you right where you're at? Because he can. He's God. He's a savior. He's a loving Heavenly Father. See, blindness stops us from seeing the sin in our own lives. And uh, every morning when you get up and you look in the mirror, (laughs) you're looking at a sinner. (laughs) Now you're looking at, hopefully you're looking at a saved sinner, but you're still a sinner. You're still one that makes mistakes. You don't have it all together. Some days are better than others. Some conversations are better than others, and other conversations you wish you could take back, but you can't. You know how life is. We can come to Jesus believing that he can meet us right where we are and meet our needs. So that's, that's the story of two blind men. But now let's go back through the day and... And let's see those stories that made them so bold. We're going to go right back to the beginning of the chapter. Chapter 9, verse 1. Healing of the paralytic. We know the story. It's the story of the four men that carry their friend and uh, open up the guy's house, lower it. Okay? Chapter 9 of Matthew doesn't go into as many details, but we're going to read Matthew 9, uh, 1 to 7. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people uh, brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, that's important, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. And fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen. 
And they praise God for giving humans such authority. As I say, we know the story. It's a Sunday school story we tell to our kids. The four men who had compassion on their friend who was laying on a mat. He's paralyzed, and they bring him to Jesus. Now, one thing that uh, Luke and Mark both mentioned is that this house that they came to was packed with people. It certainly wasn't in a COVID situation, right? <laughs> okay? It was packed with people, standing room only. We've probably been in situations like that, in, in places like that. It's, it's a popular place, and we're there, and we want, there's some excitement going on or a teaching going on, and it's just a packed room. And these four individuals come and want to bring their friend to Jesus, and they can't get in. So they became creative. <laughs> they climbed to the roof. They unthatched the roof, and they lower him in front of Jesus. And I love what it says. It says, and Jesus saw their faith. It was a faith that was visible. It was a faith that was action. And Jesus saw their faith. Not just the faith of a paralytic, but faith of four men that are, none of these are, people are mentioned in, as to who they are, their names. I mean, when we get to the story of Jairus' daughter, Jairus' daughter, we, we can identify who that person is. But here are five individuals, four plus a paralytic, with no name. The two blind men, no names. We don't know who they are. Oh, they knew. <laughs> but we don't. We're not given any detail as to who they are. And Jesus saw their faith. He noticed. He noticed more than the crowd noticed. The crowd was no doubt annoyed. Again, picture yourself in this room. You're sitting there in this great seminar or, or whatever. I mean, we'll, we'll bring it modern day. You know, maybe it's Danny preaching and, you know, and it's just really going. All of a sudden the roof opens up and there's things dropping down and it, you would be annoyed. What's this distraction? What's, what's, what's going on? You know, murmuring around the crowd. And yet, Jesus, undaunted, dealt with the situation. He saw their faith. What about us? How passionate is our faith? Is it visible enough to find a paralytic, I'll do that in parentheses, somebody in need, and bring that person to Jesus? Is that the type of faith we have? These blind men heard that story, because this happened in the same town. Get thee a little bit of excited <laughs> if you're blind and you want to be healed, if he can do that. We go on in this, in this chapter, he calls Matthew, he has questions on healing, but then in verse 18, uh, 
of, of this chapter, we find another aspect of faith. Uh, this is the, it's a story within a story. Jairus, Jairus is a, a, a leader and his daughter had died and Jairus comes to Jesus and say, come, you can, you can raise my daughter. And Jesus says, absolutely, I'll come. I'll, I'll, I will raise her from the dead. And in route, this is the story that happens. Okay, we're looking at uh, verse 19. Jesus got up and went with him, and so does his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Now, what I, I'm using Matthew because I want to show you that it's all within a day or a 36-hour period that this is all happening. But in Luke, it really expands it. Because Luke was the doctor, so he, he, he sort of built into this story. And here she, it says that she had spent her whole life earnings on trying to find a cure. She couldn't find one. No doctor could cure her. She had been having this issue for 12 years. And if you know Jewish law, you just have to go back into the Old Testament, anyone with an issue of blood is unclean. That meant that no one could touch her. She couldn't go to worship. She couldn't go to the market, at least when anybody else was there. She was totally isolated. You could call her the COVID lady, <laughs> right? She was isolated. She was unclean. And yet, she had such desperate faith that she touched Jesus' cloak and was healed. But think of it. She's not allowed to touch anybody. Anybody that touches her is unclean. It says that the, uh, in, in Luke, it also says that the crowd was so big that when Jesus said, who touched me, the di disciples actually laughed at him and said, what do you mean, who touched you? This is like the Mall of America on Black Friday, okay? And uh, you say, who touched me? And yet she had to work her way into that crowd to touch his garment, risking finding, being found out. I'm sure she probably disguised herself because everybody knew who she was. They would have to because she would be unclean. Sometimes when we put ourselves into the story, we get a much better picture of how desperate this woman would have been. She had desperate faith. If I can only touch his cloak. And so she does. Luke says she touched and then she hid in the crowd. Or tried to get away. Now, when Jesus said, who touched me, uh, he knew who it was. 
he knew, because he says, no, there's a healing flow that had come out of me. Someone was healed. And I imagine he even knew who that was. And I can just picture Jesus standing there sort of looking through the crowd, knowing who it was, and all of a sudden catching her eyes. And she melts. She comes forward. Luke also goes on to say, and she shared everything to the amazement of the crowd. How desperate are we to get to Jesus? That's the question I have with this story. You're told all kinds of things in in the world today of what you can and can't do and uh, you're we're always put down or we're always told opposite and so we're we're negative and whatever and oh no Jesus doesn't care Uh, I don't need to go to him how desperate are we to get to Jesus The last story happened the evening before in chapter 8. At the end of, well, actually at the beginning of chapter 8, verses uh, 5 through 13, but I, I won't take the time to read it. It's a story of the Roman centurion. This Roman centurion had a, um, had a servant that was ill on death's bed. I'm assuming, actually, the story of Joseph up here that you showed on your kids, I, I have a picture that this is similar to Joseph. When Joseph was in Potiphar's house and he was so valuable that Potiphar said, you know, you can run my household, I have a picture that this centurion, this, this servant, was that type of individual. Because normally, a servant is a servant, and if he's on deathbed, I get a new one, <laughs> sort of thing. But the centurion was so concerned for this individual that at first he sends Jewish leaders to Jesus. He sends Jewish leaders to ask Jesus to come and heal the servant. And the Jewish leaders reveal that this Roman servant, he's been friendly to Jews. Uh, he's, he's helped us build the temple. He's put money in so that we could build or repair the temple. And he's done this for the community. So he, he's had a good relationship with the, the Jewish uh, leaders, uh, which is not normally the case with Romans and Jews. Romans were the authoritarian uh, dictators, I guess, and the Jews were subject to them. But this Roman centurion had some sort of compassion for the Jewish people, either for the sake of just keeping peace, he would hand a bit of money here and there, Uh, I don't know, but either way, They were impressed with him. And so they come to Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, I'll go. And as he's going, he rounds the corner and 
this Roman Surin sees Jesus and he runs out to Jesus. He says, stop. I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word and my servant can be healed. A Roman centurion has a lot of authority. (laughs) And he's saying to Jesus, you have more authority than I do. Hold it. I'm not even worthy to have you come into my home to heal him. But you can just speak the word and he can be healed. And Jesus says this in the, in the story. In verse 10 of chapter, uh, of chapter 8, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And that's, that's the word that caught me. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. This is a Roman centurion, not even religious that we know of. And Jesus is astonished by this man's faith that nobody in Israel he had found with such faith. A faith that Jesus marveled at, a Roman centurion. If Jesus were to speak of our faith, would he be marveled? Would he marvel at the faith that we have? It says that even a faith the size of a mustard seed can say to this mountain, jump into the sea and it'll go. That's not very much faith. But that would astonish the world, wouldn't it? (laughs) You know, let's move this mountain over there. (laughs) And it would happen. And yet, here's a Roman centurion that humbly comes to Jesus and says, hold it, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Just speak the word, and it'll be done. And Jesus marvels. Can he say that about our faith? And as we wrap this up, can he, say that, can he say that our faith is a believing faith, like the blind men? You can see why maybe now that these blind men, they, they hear these stories, and why they can have confidence and boldness to run into the room, <laughs> to say to Jesus, will you heal us? Will you make us see? And Jesus does. Is our faith a believing faith? Is our faith a desperate faith? Is our faith a visible faith, like those of the paralytic? I trust that they are. I trust that we can say with one another and within ourselves 
and we can stand before God and say, I believe. I have faith. The question is, are we going to put it into practice so that this town, the world, the province, whatever, can see and know that there is a God out there and there's a God out there that loves them and cares for them because of what he has done in our lives and we can be the visible, believing, desperate people that share this faith and share who it is that we have faith in. Because we can have faith in a lot of things. But there's only one thing that can do all of this. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Father God, thank you so much for uh, the stories in your word that reveal truths that sometimes we, we miss. Thank you that uh, these stories are here that teach us what faith really is and how important it is for us to have that kind of faith. Father, may we do that and may we desire to have this kind of faith that, Father, we would have uh, the impact on this community. In Jesus' name.